Imagine here in Brother Bill land that this man has never ever driven a car before. He's never owned a car before. And he does not understand that there is an engine in this car. He's proud of his new car. It's beautiful. And he often invites his friends over to show them this beautiful metallic paint job. He invites them to take a look inside at the plush leather interior and this awesome CD player. It really cranks out the tunes. He says, is this not the most awesome ride you've ever seen? But everywhere he goes, he has to push it. Sometimes when he's going downhill, he hops in and he coasts down to the bottom of the hill, but he's not real happy about it because he knows that when he gets to the bottom of the hill, he's going to have to push it back up. Rather than that car carrying him, he's pushing it. He's proud of his new car. And in some ways, he's even grateful that he has it. But in other ways, he secretly wishes he didn't even have the thing. Rather than being a blessing to him, this car has become a burden to him. But then... Somebody comes up to him and he says, you see this thing? It's called an ignition key. And if you put the ignition key in that slot there and you turn the ignition key, he says, whoa, what in the world is that? He said, that ain't all. If you take that little lever and you pull it down to the letter D, and if you put your foot on that pedal there and you press down, just wait and see what happens. Oh my goodness, this is awesome. This is so awesome. This is glorious. This is truly amazing. Why didn't someone show me this before? You might say, Brother Bill, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. That is absurd. Nobody could be that simple. And you're right. Unless it's the Christian who doesn't understand the power of the Holy Spirit of God. See, many Christians don't understand that when they got saved, when they place their faith and their trust in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God put an engine in their salvation. He put an engine in there. Now, I'm not disrespecting the Holy Spirit by calling Him an engine. But the Holy Spirit is the force. He is the energy. He is the power. In our Christian lives. Now, like this man, many people are proud of their Christianity. They even show up every Sunday to celebrate it. But, Monday through Saturday, it's like a burden to them. It seems like they got to push it everywhere it goes. They are just living this day-to-day -day grind 
And they haven't discovered the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what I want to share with you today. Living a Spirit-filled life. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to see what the Apostle Paul wrote to believers. Okay? If Paul can preach it to believers, that means I can preach it to believers. Amen? Verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5, he writes in this letter, See then that you walk circumspectly, that you walk with your eyes open, checking everything out, okay? See then that you walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as a wise man or woman. Redeeming the time because the days we live in are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand, get this, what the will of the Lord is. And then he's getting ready to tell you what the will of the Lord is. You ready? Verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, that is, pursuit of pleasure all the time, or prodigal living, or a wasteful life. Do not be drunk and with wine, which is just a wasteful way of living, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 17 said, understand what the will of the Lord is. The very next verse says, be filled with with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. How often? <laughs> Amen. Giving thanks always for all things. There's the challenge right there. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the name of God. Be filled with the Spirit is part of how we understand what the will of the Lord is. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, instead of your Christian life being this burden that you kind of have to push, it becomes a source of enormous blessing in your life. Today, I want to begin by telling you why you should live a Spirit-filled life. Why you should be filled with the Spirit. Let's look at some reasons for the Spirit-filled life. The first reason for the Spirit-filled life is your obedience. We must understand that being filled with the Spirit of God is not a suggestion. It is an instruction from God. He is telling you, he is telling me today, be filled with the Spirit. Out of obedience, we must be obedient to, and do, be a part of God's business of being filled with the Spirit. Notice that it does not say, get filled. It says, be filled. It, the question is not, were you filled when you were saved? No, the question is, are you being filled with the Spirit of God? God longs to fill every believer to overflowing with this incredible gift of His Spirit. It, God says it is absolutely imperative. I'm not suggesting that you do this. I'm telling you, you must. You must do this. It is imperative that you intentionally be filled. When God says it like that, 
my antenna better come up and I better listen. I better figure out, okay, what do I need to do? The first reason to be filled with the Spirit is surely out of obedience to God. He tells you this morning, be filled with the Spirit of God. Here is a second reason. A second reason you ought to be filled is out of obligation. For, specifically, for your obligations. We need power to fulfill all the obligations we have in this life. Let's, let's think about some of those obligations for a minute. What is the first obligation that we ought to consider? Well, you're here to do what? Worship God. Right? Consider your obligations to be spirit-filled here in your worship life. All right? Um, have you ever been to a boring worship service before? Anybody? Come on, be honest. Well, I want to challenge you with this. No, you haven't. Friend, you have been to a boring church service before, but you ain't never been to a boring worship service before. Real worship, true worship, is not boring. Real worship is invigorating. It's empowering. It's strengthening. It does things in your life that you can never do by yourself. Real worship is not boring. But to keep worship from becoming routine. To keep it from coming, becoming dull or mundane. Do you know what you have to do? You have to be filled. You can't even worship God the right way until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's your first obligation. You, got, you, have, to, you have to be filled in order to fulfill your worship life. Consider your obligation to be spirit-filled in your wedded life. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Wives, submit to your own husbands. Man, women love to hear that verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her. But what you need to understand is what submission is all about. Submission is one equal person voluntarily. Say voluntarily. One equal person voluntarily submitting his or herself to another equal person. Voluntarily. Voluntarily. All so that God will be glorified. Do you get that? One equal party on one end of the triangle, voluntarily submitting to another equal party on the other end of the triangle. For what purpose? So that they both glorify God. That's what mutual submission is all about. But you know what? I can't really learn about mutual submission until I'm filled with the Spirit. That is the only way that I can truly be fit to truly understand this issue of mutual submission. So one day, or in a day rather, where people are standing up for their rights, how do I tell them how to learn mutual submission? First thing you have to do is be filled with the Spirit. See, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to do anything the way that Jesus does it. I can't even love my wife the right way. I can't even love my wife the way Jesus loves her. Unless I'm filled with the Spirit. We have an obligation to be Spirit-filled in our worship life. An obligation to be Spirit-filled in our wedded life. 
But there's also an obligation to be spirit-filled in our, get this, war life. Paul wrote in the next chapter that we do not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Friend, if you don't know it, you are in a battle. Many don't realize it. You're in a war. But your battle is not against Obama. Your war is not against the IRS. Your war, your battle is not against your mother-in-law. It's not against the Democrat, the Republican. Your battle is not against the terrorist. Your battle is not against your neighbor or your boss. The devil is your enemy. You are in a war against the devil. Therefore, your battle is not a physical one. It is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual fight. And unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you will lose. You can't fight a spiritual battle in the physical realm. You must be filled with the Spirit. So the first reason why you should discover the Spirit-filled life is out of obedience to God. The second reason you ought to discover the need for a, uh, a Spirit-filled life is because you can't do it. You can't do your obligations without it. You must be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a third reason, and that is your opportunities. You need to be spirit-filled so that you can take hold of your opportunities. In verse 16 of Ephesians 5, Paul wrote, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Friend, these days that we're living in, they are evil. They are evil times. And evil days called for spirit-filled believers. I read an article last night where 55 million children have been aborted since 1973. They call it the modern day Holocaust. But man, there wasn't no 55 million killed in that war. This has been a 40 year Holocaust. There has never been, friend, a greater opportunity for uh, you to share the gospel, for you to be an influence, for you to make an impact. There's never been a greater day than the day you're living in now to redeem the time. People, friend, are trying everything, but nothing is working. They're trying methamphetamine. They're trying cocaine. They're trying pot. They're drinking. They're trying anything under the sun. To get peace in their life. And a lot of them are looking to the church one more time. And they're asking you this question. Bethel. Is this Christianity thing for real? Will this Christianity thing fill what I crave in the deepest places of my heart? We need to take up this opportunity. We need to take up this opportunity and literally redeem the time. Take advantage of this opportunity. So you're going to need to be obedient, be filled with the Spirit. 
Fulfill your obligations by being filled with the Spirit. Take advantage of your opportunities by being filled with the Spirit. Those are the reasons why you should be filled. But now I want to say, okay, now that I know why I should be filled, how do I do it? What are the reasons for the Spirit-filled life? How on earth can I be filled with the Spirit? Well, first of all, you need to know this. God wants to fill you. He wants to fill you with His Spirit. But we have to permit Him to do so. He won't do it against your own will. He wants to fill you. He longs for you to have power in your life. He longs for you to have victory over the trials in your life. He desperately desires for you to be filled. That being the case, I want to know how. How can I be filled? Well, there's two primary requirements for being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Requirement number one, complete commitment. Complete commitment. We need to learn to bow down to him in complete, absolute surrender. Notice that I said him. See, so many times we think of the Spirit as a thing. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit ain't no thing. The Holy Spirit of God is a person. Never get the idea that the Holy Spirit is not a person. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit has a body, but the Holy Spirit certainly has a personality. Think of it. The Holy Spirit has knowledge. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has emotions. And the Holy Spirit has activity. Those are all signs of a person. And to be filled with Him, the Holy Spirit, means that my thoughts are dominated by His thoughts. That my, my desires are dominated by His desires. That my love is dominated by His love. That, that my activity is dominated day in and day out, moment in and moment out, by His activity. He's a person. In fact, just think of the Holy Spirit as a person who wants to come into your life and take control of you. He wants to come into your life and take control of you for the glory of God. So that everything you say, everything you do, everything you think, everything about you is being done for the glory of God. Now, let me take you back to Brother Bill Land. All right. Imagine you have just moved into a brand new house. Awesome crib. Amen. You've moved into this brand new house and your first house guest arrives. When she arrives, you invite her to make herself at home. You show her where the bathroom is. You show her where her room is. You show her where the towels are. You show her where the kitchen is. You point out the fridge and you say, there's all the food. My house is your house. Just help yourself to whatever you need. Then suppose, imagine, that you have to run to town for the day. And when you come back, you find her upstairs in your bedroom, on your computer, reading your mail, analyzing your bank statement, going through your desk drawers, reading your old love letters, and to top it off, 
She's been reading your personal diary. You look up at her in disbelief and you say, <coughs> Can I help you? She says, No, I'm fine. No problem. And then she says, You know, I thought you made a lot more money than this. Did you really mean all those goofy things you said in these love letters? Did you really mean what you said about your best friend in your diary? Well, your blood begins to boil about this time. And you say, I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't appreciate it one bit you going through my personal things. Well, she says, well, didn't you tell me to make myself at home? Didn't you say that your house was my house? You say, yeah, I did. But I didn't mean all my personal stuff. Well, I wonder if sometimes we don't do the same thing to the Holy Spirit. We invite Him to come in, take control of my life. I'm no longer my own, I'm yours. Take control of my life. You totally turn yourself over to Him. But then you begin to choose parts of your life that you don't want to change. Is there any area of your life that is out of bounds to the Holy Spirit? Is your financial life out of bounds to the Holy Spirit? Is your sexual life out of bounds? Perhaps your personal life, that's out of bounds. Your ambitions and your dreams, hey, that's out of bounds. Is there anything, anywhere that are off limits to the Holy Spirit of God? In your life? To be filled with the Spirit means that you turn over the keys. You turn over the keys to every closet, to every room, and to every drawer in your life. And you totally commit absolute control over to Him. Have you completely committed to the Holy Spirit? Are you filled? The second requirement is continual control. Now, many people don't understand what it means in Ephesians 5.18 when the Bible says, be filled. Be filled is an ongoing, continual action. I am being filled with the Spirit. But notice the contrast. Paul says, don't be drunk. Be filled. Being drunk is the devil's substitute for being filled with the Spirit. Paul is contrasting worldly living with Spirit-filled living. But there's also not only a contrast, but there's a comparison when a person gets drunk, 
He is under the control of another influence. So the way that he talks, the way that he walks or not, amen, the way that he walks and talks, the way that he thinks, everything is about, about him is changed. Think about it. You got this small, quiet, unassuming guy who gets drunk in a bar and suddenly he can whip anybody in the bar because he's drunk. As he drinks, he progressively comes under the influence of the alcohol, and when he is drunk, he is completely under its control. Ever been there? You wouldn't tell me if you were. By comparison, Paul says, don't be drunk. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit come in. And control your walk and your talk. Let him control your thoughts and your activity. Let him control your attitudes. Think about this. How does a man get drunk? Y'all know. Okay. He gets drunk because he, he drank liquor. He drank beer. He drank, he drank too much. How does he stay drunk? He keeps on drinking, right? Do you see the comparison here? When you continually commit and surrender complete control, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but you have to keep on being filled. Just like the drunk has to keep on drinking in order to be drunk. So we've looked at some reasons why. We've looked at uh, the requirements that answer how we are filled with the Spirit. Now, to close, I want to share with you the results of the Spirit-filled life. Back in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is prodigal, wasteful living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving... Thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Father or in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one to one another in the fear of God. Did you notice something there? Speaking, singing, making, giving, submitting, those words all end with the same three letters. What are those three letters? I-N-G. I-N-G makes a word an action word. It produces a result. These are all action words, and it tells us what results from being spirit-filled. And all of these action words that I just shared with you deal with three primary relationships in our life. Our relationship with God, our relationship to our circumstances, and our relationship to others. So let's look at those three. How does the Holy Spirit, how does being spirit-filled influence my relationship with God? Well, when I'm spirit-filled, what, what is my uh, relationship with God going to be like? Well, I'm going to find that I'm going to experience the love of God like I never have before. I'm going to know God better. Not only that, the love of God is going to pour out of me toward other people 
like I've never seen before. When you're spirit-filled and you're experiencing God and you're knowing God, you're going to feel these things in an incredibly intimate way that few ever have. But you can't do it unless you're spirit-filled. Let's look at this. How does the spirit influence how I relate to my circumstances? Well, the the spirit-filled Christian gives thanks. He gives thanks not sometimes, but always. He gives thanks always for all things, verse 20 says. You see, when you praise God in the midst of evil going on in your life, it doesn't mean that you approve of the evil. Did you hear that? Just because you're praising God in the midst of evil does not mean that you approve of that evil activity going on in your life. It just means that you know that whatever happens, God is greater. God is greater than that evil. But friends, there is no way you can repeatedly do that apart from being filled with the Spirit of God. Spirit influences our relationship with God certainly influences how we relate to our circumstances, but how does the Spirit influence my relationship to others? Verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. The Spirit-filled Christian is one who has learned how to submit to other people. He looks upon the interests of other people being more important than his own. You know, I hear people screaming all the time, I know my rights! I know my rights! But I'll ask you this, what rights does a dead man have? Tell me. He's dead. He don't have no rights. Well, are we not crucified with Christ? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. That means I have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. And this life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Dead people don't have no rights. So that means that somebody else always has the greater right. Friends, when we're filled, that is genuinely, completely committed, when we are continually controlled by the Spirit of God, it's going to be crystal clear. It's going to be very apparent by the amount of love you show to others. Say others. Others. To others. See, your Christian life ain't about you. Your Christian life is about who? So I want to ask you a very personal question. All right, let's get personal. Are you filled with the Spirit? Are you right now consciously filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Because you are completely committed and continually controlled by Him who is in you, believer?
You can't even worship God the right way unless you consciously become filled with his spirit. You can't be the wife or the husband you desire to be unless you consciously commit and continually uh, offer control of your life to the Spirit. You can't uh, partake in this battle you're in, this spiritual battle. You can't fight a spiritual war in the physical realm. This Bible says, that being filled with the Spirit is not a request. It is a command to obey. Be filled with the Spirit. I like it when God talks to me plainly. Be filled with the Spirit of God. I get that. And man, do I realize how disobedient I've been. Because see, every time that you sin, whether it's a sin of commission or a sin of omission, every time you sin, that's evidence that you're not filled. Because when the believer is filled, there ain't no room for sin. Amen? You're filled. You ain't got no room for nothing else. So is it possible to live this life without sinning? What do you think? It would be if I stayed filled. True or false? If I stayed filled with the Spirit, there'd be no sin in my life. But the minute I let my spiritual fuel tank go down, now I open up all kinds of area for sin and for temptation. Be filled with the Spirit of God. And when you're filled, do you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that your beautiful automobile has got an engine. Maybe a little low on fuel, but it's got an engine. And it's got this thing like called a key that is the key of faith. And when you turn that key of faith and you rev up that engine and you're filled with the Spirit, there is nothing, say nothing, there is nothing God can't do through you. But if you go through your Christian life thinking, man, I ain't got no engine, or I ain't got no key, guess who else is going to use you? The enemy. And you're going to lose that battle. Do you have the faith to believe what God's word has spoken to you today? Be filled with the Spirit. If you haven't yet received Him, the Spirit of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, today's your day. You may say, Brother Bill, I've, I, I've received Him. He's in there. Can't see Him sometimes, but He's in there. If you've been grieving the Spirit because of sin in your life, today's your day. If you have been quenching the Spirit because you haven't been worshiping Him like you should, if you've been quenching the Spirit because you haven't been giving thanks to God like you should, 
if you've been quenching the spirit because you haven't been submitting to him like you should, today's your day. Whatever your decision is today, when the music for this decision song starts, I want to encourage you to step out, walk up, and be filled in Jesus' name. And if you can't walk up here, you raise your hand. You call out to me, I'll come to you. The command is clear. And it's simple today. I may have preached some complex messages in my life, but this one's easy. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Our Father in heaven, thank you for not leaving us to our own, but leaving us with the Holy Spirit so that we can be obedient and effective children of God. Father, help us to stay filled. Help us to intentionally be filled with the Spirit of God every second if it takes it. Father, I pray for these today. Because if they've been like me, they've been disobedient. They've been disobedient because they haven't been filled with the Spirit. They haven't been able to fill their obligations in a godly way. Why? Because they haven't been filled with the Spirit. They haven't taken hold and taken advantage of every opportunity that you've given them because they haven't been filled with the Spirit. Father, thank you for convicting me of my failure in this. And I pray that today be the last day that I'm found not filled with the Spirit. Lord, whatever decision someone needs to make today, I pray that you would encourage them to make that decision. In the name above all names, Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.